Beyond Synth 362. Beyond Synth Marco Merrick, Florence Bullock, and Michael Oakley. Together, they set out to have the best conversations of all time. Here, at the Beyond Synth Roundtable. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is the Beyond Synth Round Table. I am Andy. I uh, uh, host Beyond Synth and produce all the shows at uh, Beyond Synth Radio. It's all very fun stuff. I am joined by Marco Merrick. Hey everybody, sugar my plums. Sugar his plums. Marco, of course, of course. Of course. Fuck me. <laughs> is that Canadian? Is that he said? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, Marcos. <laughs> Coast. Of course, uh, Marco's there for the uh, the Marco and Andy Power Hour. That's right. And uh, we've been having fun with that show, listening to cool music, and uh, watching lots of silly B movies. Love it. So uh, that's been a good time. And I'm also joined by Florence Bullock. Hi. Who, <laughs> <laughs> who is dying, I guess. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm dying. Of course, the... Uh, Talented songstress. Songstress. That's cool. Do you, do you like being called a songstress? That's fine. It kind of sounds like seamstress. Mm. That word is kind of weird, but I mean, songstress, it's fine. You can call me that. Well, now you just said it's weird, so now I. <laughs> it sounds like you don't like it. Because it sounds like. Uh, whatever. <laughs> You're a seamstress of sound. Well, the, no, because uh-huh. yesterday I was listening to uh, the track you did with Gregorio because I've been like organizing my playlist. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's a good song. Thank you. You hit uh, some cool note because you don't uh, you don't sing opera style as Glitbiter or in uh, Dead Astronauts or whatever. So yeah, it's maybe I'll sing more of that in the future. I don't know. Do you think you can do your opera voice if you're laying down? Yes, I feel like when I was in college and taking voice lessons for opera, half the time my my teacher was like, "Get on the floor and like like." Like then, if you bend, if you bend, <laughs> 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 your teacher sounds like an interesting person yeah. on the floor now. Like, if you if you like bend over, like <laughs> oh, and sing, Jesus, sing to the floor. It'll like mm. open up your. I, I don't know. I never got to like teaching pedagogy. Not one of your sentences <laughs> sounds good. I like it. this teacher was sounds a, like just a perv. Was like he just, a male teacher? No, it was a female teacher. Oh, I'm really shocked. Then all right. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? <laughs> Time for your singing um, lessons. Uh, get on the floor and uh, bend over too. How about that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I think I can still sing when I'm on the floor. 
Okay. <laughs> That's if, the bottom if line. If anyone's wondering, I am on the floor right now. Yeah, we'll, we'll get all through that, man. We can catch up because it's been a while since we talked. And of course, the very talented Michael Oakley. Hello. How are we? Of course, you went to fucking uh, Neon Retrofest, so you're going to give us a, a full report. Is that correct? I, uh, I have tales to tell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was great. I mean, this is the first Synthwave event that I've been to since Outland. Like a really well put on event I mean so uh, yeah it was it was wonderful stayed for the whole weekend got to hang out with a lot of cool people from the scene got to see people like Arcade High Betamax Robert Parker yeah it was really nice you know nice little holiday in Florida in the sunshine hanging out at the pool an entire weekend I, I was actually really sad the day after it finished you know you, you arrive home and it was raining <laughs> my cats are miserable bastards trying to get out they don't care they don't care that I'm home. They just they just went out and fed, and I just thought, I wish I was in Florida. Again. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! All I, all I had left at that point was my sunburn, which was really painful at that point. I always do that same thing, you know. You go on holiday, and, and then my wife is like, "Oh, do you want some, you know, sunscreen?" And I'm like. I don't need sunscreen. It's cool. And then I'm, I think I'm only going to be in the sun for an hour. Nope. And then literally from being out in the sun for an hour at night time. Like my forehead is like tomato ketchup, <laughs> you know. What I mean, it's just red and like oh no. <laughs> and my shoulders were killing me. I went to bed that night. You know, you're lying in bed and you're just like oh, my shoulders are like just that horrible burnt skin way, just like. Because <laughs> I always decline the uh, the sunscreen as well, but I feel like part of me just feels like it's not cool. Like, I don't want to walk around with, like, the white cream on my nose or whatever. Like, well, that's going to make me look like a dork. But then, like, I feel like an asshole. But then it's also not cool when your uh, your sunburn starts, like, mm. peeling off. Typical Andy. Pus. Typical Andy worried about his image. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about the sunburn. Hey, man. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we have some catching up to do from the last round table. Mm. And then, of course, Florence, she she took a little trip to London, <gasps> went to the Star Wars fucking... Mm. What's what's the official name of the event? Star Wars Celebration. Mm. Star Wars Celebration. So she's going to talk all about that. <laughs> oh, I am? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds cool. We're going to we're gonna hear more about Neon Retrofest. Uh, Marco's a cool guy. <laughs> and, of course, last time uh, Michael suggested I watch a bunch of things, you know, I was told to watch... Yeah. Basket Case and Killjoys and FX the Movie Part 1 and 2 and Good Time and Uncut Gems and I can uh, happily report that I watched Basket Case. Oh, you did? <laughs> yes. Nice. And that was it. Right. <laughs> One out of 42. Good job. But none, yeah. none, none, of the, none of the others. No, no, no. Just Basket Case. <laughs> nice. So, awesome. anyway. But look, let's listen to some music and then uh, we'll get started. So, I got a cool one here that uh, I actually first heard. It was like a, it was in an Instagram post. Someone posted one of these AI things of like a DeLorean driving down the road, but like the image kept on flickering. And they were playing this cool track, which was Drive and Father Dude remixed by Jacket. Oh. Uh, it's called City Nights. It has this fucking great chorus and uh, I, every, I just kept watching that fucking that Instagram video over and over again because they played like the coolest part of the song and I, I got hooked on this stupid song. So anyways, here it is. This is City Nights by Drive and Father Dude, the Jacket remix. You are
And that was City Nights by Drive and Father Dude, remixed by Jacket. And that is a cool song. And we're back here at the Beyond Synth Roundtable. It's me, I'm Andy, and there's Marco and Florence and Michael. So, where should we start here? Since we last talked, we just started watching Last of Us, and now that season has concluded. And uh, so has season three of The Mandalorian, which I'm assuming Florence watched. Yes. What else? I watched Severance, which is like probably the best show I've seen in a long time. That show was very exciting. Thanks to you, I watched that show, Andy. That is a very good show. Severance is the best show for me personally, for my personal taste that I've seen in years. Like, I fucking Mm. loved it, and... That finale was one of the most intense and awesome finales I've seen in a long time. I didn't see the the twist coming, which was really cool. Mm. The show is just so well written that the way everything intertwined and led to that finale, without giving away any spoilers, and the way that the story pushed forward just enough so it didn't feel like a cheap cliffhanger because you know some shows they do the cliffhanger because they just cut off right before the thing you're anticipating that's going to happen yeah like oh is he going to shoot that guy and then it cuts to black Mm -hmm. what i loved about the ending is it went further than i thought it was even going to go and then in the last minute it like it pushed forward just to the point where i'm like holy fuck and then it cut to black and i was like i have no idea how they're gonna fucking resolve this because mm-hmm. like it was just it, it pushed forward just enough that made it so exciting and there's still like so much more to it but uh, that's my review of severance i fucking i really 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 liked it mm. yeah it was it was it was great it sort of starts a little slow and kind of starts to get you yeah worked into it and yeah i really enjoyed that actually it was it's i've don't i can't even think of any other TV show that I've ever seen that has that kind of sci-fi quality about it without it being like Star Wars or Star Trek or something, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was very kind of like psychological sci-fi almost. Yeah, I felt the same way when it started because I actually watched the first episode in the summer Mm. and then I was like, okay, this is good and I appreciated that the show has its own unique vibe and is is interesting, but it didn't immediately hook me and then I ended up paying Apple TV for like five months before I ended up up watching the rest of the show and then once I got back into it I just got sucked into it like I just see the potential for how this show can just keep expanding like on the intrigue and stuff because there's there's an aspect to it that's kind of like lost like the TV show because mm-hmm. like in that show like you meet characters but then through flashbacks you learn like so much more about like who they actually are and in Severance since the main characters have two separate lives Like, for the audience who doesn't know, like, the premise of Severance is that these people work at this strange company, and they all had this procedure to their brains, so when they leave work, they forget everything that happened there. So there's their work version of them, and their home version of them, and then they become, like, two separate people. So there's just so many, like, dramatic possibilities, like, as we discover more about the characters, because, like, apart from Adam Scott, Mm -hmm. uh, his character, we don't really know much about the other characters' real lives. Like, we only see them at work. And the show can change so drastically even by just like finding out little details about who they really are and Mm -hmm. so even after this first season this show just has like so much potential like so that's why i'm excited about it I mean, obviously, don't want to spoil it for people, but the, my, my my pleasant surprise was Christopher Walken turning, oh, yeah, up, and turning yeah. up. That was that was unexpected. Yeah, that was unexpected. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that. It also has a little bit of that kind of surreal quality to it as well. Oh yeah, you know, oh yeah. You know how some of the the when they're actually in severance and all the characters have this kind of surreal sort of 
plasticky quality to it, especially like the psychologist girl that sort of takes them to tell them good things about them. There's something very sort of weird about it and oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also the sets are like very like, mm. what is it, like liminal spaces, like shit like that. Yes. It's cool. The aesthetic is awesome too. Like even like the haircuts and stuff, mm-hmm. it has this weird kind of like out of time, weird kind of 70s, early 80s vibe. Yeah, like you can't really tell. Like it's probably in the future, but you can't really tell when when I found there was a YouTube channel that has like the last two minutes of the finale mm-hmm. and I've watched that last two minutes like 50 times like I just <laughs> keep going back and watching that video because like the way the finale was written the way the stories were happening simultaneously and like each building to a moment of intensity like the way it was filmed the way it was edited like it was just a flawless episode of TV and there mm-hmm. were like some moments that were so impactful like I was by myself and I yelled like oh fuck at one point and it was just (laughs) it was just in response to a line of dialogue like someone just said a line and ran out of the room and I was just like oh fuck because it was such a big deal that they said this thing and to me that's like when a show because there's a lot of other shows I watch where they just they play a lot of dramatic music to let you know that you're watching something dramatic and in this case it was just great writing (laughs) and I don't know Anyway, I loved it. I think that the only other TV shows that we've been watching that uh, really, really got us excited was Succession. Oh, yeah. Right? Now yeah. That, that is actually growing to me to be up in the top five greatest TV shows of all time. If it keeps on going, this is the final season. I've never seen anything like it. It was a little bit like when I first saw Breaking Bad. You know, you're sort of like, this is like nothing I've ever seen before. Also, White Lotus, that's also another really great TV show, which um, is hilarious. I don't know if any of you have ever seen White Lotus. I I did recently watch White Lotus, and it was very good. Hilarious. The first yeah. season with the guy, the guy who's like the concierge of the hotel. Yep, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you know the scene I'm talking about, then you, oh, yeah. you know Oh, I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like crying with laughter at that bit. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it is so funny that it's just really well-written characters. So maybe I'll start Succession too, man. I have a big fucking pile of things to do. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Do it. Succession is like, I'm sure it's now the TV show with the most awards that's been won for the, that's just so good. It's, it, it's funny because when I first was looking for a new TV show to watch, I read the premise and it was like, oh, you know, the owner of a, a, a huge media corporation is dying and is the guy's kids are trying to wrestle for taking over the company and you're kind of like, ugh, do I really care about a media corporation type of show? It sounds a bit like West Wing, mm-hmm. but for sort of media corporation but then I read the reviews and it's like something like 97% approval rating I thought well that's good and I read all the awards (laughs) it won and I read like people were saying don't let the you know the premise fool you this is an incredible show with great writing great characters so I was like you know what okay first episode hooked Absolutely hooked. Um, yeah. You'll love it. Well, i tell you what else I love. Good music? Yes. <laughs> Marco that? has been sitting quietly because he hasn't watched these shows. It's okay. Play me a song. Uh, the Tommy86 has got an awesome new album that just came out. The album is Let There Be Lights. Um, it's available at tommy86.bandcamp.com. Really like it. It's quite upbeat and uh, very motivational uh, music, I guess you could say. Uh, the track that I like off it the most is Under the Strobe Light.
And that was Under the Strobe Light by Tommy86 from the album Let There Be Lights. And I'm back with the uh, the Beyond Synth Roundtable. We've been talking about TV shows. Marco was kind of quiet there, so I want to hear what Marco's been up oh, to. Oh, it's all right, mate. Don't worry about me. I'm always on the show, so, you know, <laughs> not much. Uh, I do have a cool mixtape out, which um, is doing all right, a chill synth mixtape. And I'll be, I was working on that, trying to get it right. And uh, I'll be working a lot. That's about it, mate. What do you, uh, what do you mean? Do you mean you put out a mixtape on the uh, synthetics? Yeah, the SoundCloud? synthetic Sunday SoundCloud. Yeah, it's uh, okay. Yeah, it's not too bad, I guess. So I did put that out. I'm glad to. I've been wanting to for a while. I've just been busy. And other than that, I've been watching some shitty old movies. Like as everybody already knows, Hard Ticket to Hawaii, which is like, <laughs> it's so good. Oh man, that is good. We got to watch the trilogy because mm. there's a trilogy of those movies. Which Hard Ticket to Hawaii is the first one because it's got the the two same blonde play boy model leads who are secret agent detectives that run a shipping company in Hawaii. I'm not sure what they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's cool. So everything else is uh, is is going all right, though. Doing all right, mate. Enjoying the warm weather. That's all I can say. Did you guys get snow last week? Yeah, we did a tiny bit, but then we Whoa. had like ninety something degrees, ninety one one day. It was like what the fuck, which is like 32, 32 Celsius for everybody that's not American. I say that now to people as a joke, where it's nice weather, and they're like, "Oh, this is really nice." I'm just like, "Dude, it's gonna fucking snow on the yeah, weekend. Like, you know it will." And it did. Yeah, Fuck sakes, it was. We had summer weather for two days. We're actually right. Michael, when you were in Florida, because mm. you messaged, it's like, oh, you'd love it down here. You know, the weather's real nice. And honestly, on that day, it was summer here. Like, we had fucking, like, I don't know if it reached 30 degrees, but it was hot. I was in New York a little bit last week. When I landed, it was like 85 degrees, and it was hotter in New York than it was in LA, which is hilarious. Were you there long enough to catch the snow? Nope. I don't think where I was, there was snow, but that's funny. Yeah, it was two days of summer, and then one day it kind of rained, and then the next day it fucking snowed. Like, it's like our fucking weather is fucked. Yeah, it's fucked up, man. <laughs> April. But apart from that, everything else is going all right. You uh, you bumped into a deer, is that correct? <laughs> yeah, I bumped into him all right. Little bugger. <laughs> yes, everybody, the deer's fine. That's the first question everybody says. And I'm fine, too. Oh, no, did you actually, like, bump into a deer? <laughs> No, I yeah, well, you, you can tell Aww. them, but we weren't recording yeah, thanks. when we. <laughs> Marco went on this hilarious rant after the power hour. Yeah, yeah. You hit a deer, and I just like, oh, what happened to the deer? But I wasn't actually asking in that, like, I was like some animal rights activist. Like, I was just curious. <laughs> yeah, and oh, Marco, shit. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, everyone asks about the fucking deer. <laughs> First question The deer is fine. <laughs> Okay. I was generally I've concerned got PTSD about PTSD now, but don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm should be getting the car back soon. Hopefully, fuck, it's been a bit of a fiasco, but uh, I'm all right. Yep, everything's good. Oh no! In Australia, is there a comparable animal? Yes, a kangaroo. Really? Yes. Like people hit kangaroos with their cars? Yeah, out in the country, the, the equivalent animal would be kangaroos. They're everywhere in the countryside and they have a habit of getting onto the road. You know, like they just do really random shit. They'll be going one direction and you're like, oh, that's fine. I don't need to slow down. And all of a sudden they've just changed direction <laughs> straight in a collision course with your car. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. And they're a probably similar, what would you say, muscle density to a deer. So you hit it, it's going to do some fucking damage, you know. I always picture when I think of kangaroos, those weird like... Memes I see on the internet or on Instagram where you've got the kangaroo that's like flexing, oh, almost like it looks like guys. a human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're kind of cool. They like to chill in the sun too. They like sunbaking. 
and they like flexing a bit. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> oh my god! I don't know. For some reason, I picture them to be more like agile than it because deers still run on all four legs. I just picture. I always picture kangaroos like they're like people in costumes. I picture if you hit one with a car, they'd like roll over the hood like a movie. You know, like when you mm-hmm. when you hit a dude. But maybe that's not how it works. It's kind of weird the way they hop along. I guess. I mean, I'm used to it obviously because I've just been around since I was a kid. But for anybody else, they, I guess that is kind of weird the way they hop around on two legs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. All right, the bottom line is, though, you're okay, right? Yeah, the... I'm fine. I'm just a little, yeah. My ego got a little dented, but that's okay. <laughs> but more importantly, the deer is okay, too. Yeah, yeah, real important. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it always worries me because I'd like, you know, I just started driving and I'm still learning and we have deer here because we live out in the country and I basically just drive my dad's car, which is a little Hyundai accent. Mm-hmm. So it's a little tiny car. So like if I ever accidentally hit a deer, like I'm dead, like it's going to, my car is going to crumple like a fucking tinfoil ball. Yeah. You got to be careful, so, but they're unpredictable and there's bushes and there's, you know, I remember I hit a deer once when I was driving and the whole front bumper of my car was absolutely fucked yeah and it was so annoying because it, it was one of those ones where I had to like claim the insurance so I, I lost my no claims bonus and then I had to pay the deductible deductible I had to pay like something like 450 bucks up mm. front and I was mm-hmm. just like, oh. Was that over here? It, no, no, that was in, in Scotland. This is about 10 years ago. So Scotland has deers. Yes. Deers. You have different kind of deer, right? Yeah. I mean, this, they put it this way, this, I was on the motorway. You you call it the highway, but it, I was driving on the motorway and it, this deer just ran across the, the motorway. Exactly the right point for me to hit it point blank on my uh, bumper and the whole bumper was wrecked. I don't know. I think the deer was all right because it was huge. <laughs> but if it wasn't all right, then it can claim on its, its, its uh, insurance, just like me. Fucking asshole. The, the Michael Oakley deductible? Yeah, it can claim its deductible. Yeah, that's not fair if it's on the, the highway. Because, I mean, like, here, usually, yeah, like, we live near forests and stuff. And, and there are certain times of day, right, where you're more likely to hit a deer, you know, if it's, like, fucking five in the morning or whatever. But, obviously, it's totally unfair if the animal jumps out this was this was at night this was a, I, I was coming back from playing a gig and it must have been at about half 10 11 o'clock at night so it was just I can still see it it was just literally came out of nowhere and I was just like fuck and the thing was because I, I was on the motorway I had to keep driving you know for the next 15 minutes until I managed to get off the motorway so that I could take a look at the car and then when I got out and took a look it was just like oh my god this is the last thing I need right now it's always the last thing you need yeah <laughs> I don't be bored with us. You know, I'd lost the car for a week. Was it a good gig? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was It was good up until that point. <laughs> well, at least that's okay, right? It's always worse where your day was just shitty all the way through and then, like the capper at the end of the day is just hitting into a deer. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I feel like if you're having a good day, like especially coming off like the high from a gig and then like that happens, it's like, man, it gets it. like, weren't you looking forward to going home, just like, <laughs> going to sleep and having the best, like just realizing like man I had the best day ever and that fucking deer just ruins mm-hmm. it you know 
Yeah, that, I don't know. To me, though, I, I I always have that feeling of like things can't be too good. That's the way my brain always works. So whenever I'm on a high of something, mm-hmm. I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Sure. Where it's like, all right, something's gonna happen. So to me, I feel mm-hmm. almost like that's that's the balance of the universe. Like if I had a really great day, like oh my god, what a great day! It's just like you hit a deer and like, yeah, I deserve that for being too happy. Like fucking <laughs> sorry, God. You know? Yeah. What is that? It's like karma or fucking the balance in the world or some bullshit. Same thing happens to me. Too. Yeah, I don't like that's why I'm always really envious of like super confident people because I just don't have that. Like whenever things are going good, all I think is like of all the ways it can fuck up. <laughs> that's all that's running through my head is how many different ways can I fuck this up? How can it get fucked up on some other thing? And but that's a uh, maybe it's just a mental problem of mine. I should see a therapist. Bless you if that was a sneeze. <laughs> Thank you. Is that my- <laughs> Gesundheit. <laughs> well, bless you to Michael. And uh, let's listen to a song, and then we'll uh, keep chatting. So I got a cool one here from Salvation, from the album The Glass of Your Soul. And hey, this is nice. This song's called On the Highway. That kind of works with what we were just talking nice. about. <laughs> yeah. That's a coincidence. Thank you. 
Right, and that was Salvation with the track On the Highway from the album The Glass of Your Soul. And I'm back here. We're here. It's the round table with Marco and Michael and Florence. And uh, we're just talking about highways and hitting deers and stuff. But now we can change course. So, Michael, tell us about your trip to Neon Retro Fest. Well, so I basically flew out to Florida to Neon. Yeah, it was it was great. The trip kind of started a little bit on the wrong foot because I had food poisoning and then we were supposed to be going to Orlando for the first few days to stay with friends but then they get sick so we had to change our flight get another hotel room for a night and then eventually we got to Neon and it was all great but the weather was wonderful and yeah it was it was a wonderful venue the Hilton Hotel really great venue for that type of event you know you, usually with these types of things you know you, you just go for the day or the night and then you go home and it's all over whereas it was like you're staying at a hotel and you think, ah, oh, tomorrow, you know, Phaserland's playing, Betamax is playing, that would be cool. Um, and then you're thinking, oh yeah, on Sunday I've got Arcade High to look forward to and yeah, and it was just really, really good. So I think what's great about these, these events is that most of the people that we know in the Synthwave community, you, you, you never really see them. You, you know, you see them online and maybe on Facebook or something. But it's very rare that you get all of those people in the one place. Do you know what I mean? For a a sort of social hangout. I think the biggest thing that appealed to me, apart from the music, was just getting to go and hang out with everybody that you don't really get to see often. In the summer weather, at a Hilton Hotel, you know, there was this pool outside. So just lounging around the pool, ordering drinks just ordering food and just hanging out and go oh you know Michael Weber's playing we'll better we'll jump in and we'll go and see see him and then back out to the pool so it was just very relaxed and then there was like a a, a retro con that was on in the next room there was one vendor that was selling you know old video games there was another vendor selling badges with like kind of 80s and 90s retro stuff on them so there was another person selling vintage old clothes you know members only jackets and stuff like that so yeah it was it was really cool it was just really nice you know had a great time do they do panels this time they did a night ride fm panel oh, cool. so they had like some of the the musicians up talking I caught a little bit of it, but at that point in the afternoon, I was I was more excited about just lounging around in the pool and the water. So, <laughs> so I miss I miss the panel to be honest. Did you uh, play any video games? I know they get like a, an arcade there as well. Yes, there was loads of old arcade machines. So I was playing like Pac Man, then playing Street Fighter Two Turbo Edition. Yeah, <laughs> like honestly, it was just it was amazing. You're just walking around like, oh, there's there's Space Invaders and all these other games I was like just going around playing all the different ones it was really fun and then you know you're just playing and then you're looking up and there's there's someone on stage playing music so it was uh, yeah it was a great experience I really hope they do this next year. Yeah, because the original location was... Um, Rhode Island. It was like in the middle of nowhere, Rhode Island. Yeah. And then COVID hit. Bloody bugger. Mm. <laughs> That's when I got my passport. Yeah. I was like, that was the one thing I was like, oh, I'll go to that. Yeah, we were all going to go. Yeah. Well, apparently the organisers, Grant and Amanda, they, they've moved from... They used to live in Rhode Island, I think. That's what he was telling me on the night. He, they've moved to, to Florida. Oh. So I think the intention is to make Tampa a kind of permanent fixture. Well, I mean, it works more with the aesthetic mm-hmm. than anything. 
Definitely. We were so lucky because the weather was amazing. And then on the Monday, you know, driving back, a storm hit. <laughs> so it was it was literally when we were leaving that, that the weather took a complete downturn. Mm. But it was perfect. I mean, it was just so great. So I, I hope they do next year. I told them that if they do, I would I would play at it and uh, see if we could maybe get some more people to turn up and play. You know, get some really good headliners that would that would make that event a really massive success. Yeah. So who uh, who all did you see perform? Um, so we saw Michael Weber, we saw Vampire Stepdad, Robert Parker, Betamax, um, Phaserland, Arcade High. Yeah, there was there was a lot of people there. It was like on from three o'clock in the afternoon until midnight. Yeah, it was lo- loads of people on. So Michael Weber doing his business wave stylings. Oh, I, right. So th- th- this was amazing. So he, he <laughs> you're, you're gonna love this because like me and my wife were there and we we're like, oh my god, that's amazing. Because he went, he was playing his set right, and when he walked up on stage, he walked up on stage with a briefcase, and when he opened his briefcase, he pulled out <laughs> his laptop and plugged the laptop in, and then when he finished his set, unplugged the laptop, put it into the briefcase, yeah. which. He has MW engraved onto the metal part of the briefcase. He literally <laughs> left the, the, the stage like Gordon Gecko or something. Oh <laughs> it was just so it was just so good. Like everybody loved it, you know. And then later on actually Michael gave me some fridge magnets. He was like, Do you want some fridge magnets? I thought, of course I would love some fridge magnets. So I, so I got a briefcase <laughs> fridge magnet. I got a, a, an old nineteen eighties mobile phone fridge magnet and I got like a, a fax machine fridge fridge magnet they are actually on my fridge <laughs> so picked up a Betamax t-shirt as well and um, that was that was cool because I've been wanting a Betamax t-shirt for a while now and how was uh, how was Nick doing Nick was great he was in great form it was always nice to see Nick last time I saw Nick he was actually here at my house we were just hanging out he was in Toronto for a while do you know what it was when we all went out remember Andy we went out and uh, had dinner that night and Haley was there Dana was there Holly was there um, and Nick had driven over for funsies <laughs> and then the next day he drove over here and we were just sort of hanging out I was showing him my plugins <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> my plugins <laughs> let him take a look at my plugins and uh, oh synthwave producers <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then he drove back to Pittsburgh. So it was nice to see him, you know, for the first time in a few years. But Nick's a lovely guy. He's a great guy. Really talented guy. Well, listen, I want to hear more about it, but we got to listen to some music first. So, uh, yeah. Marco, your turn. Okay. Well, if it's my turn, have you heard of Fermi Paradox by any chance, Andy? Yes. The album from The Secret Chord. That's correct, and uh, it's really good stuff. I know you've been enjoying it, so I, I decided to play a track off it. Well, actually, I'll tell you this. What? I actually hadn't heard it until I, you know, you sent me your, the tracks you wanted to play, and then I went and checked out the album, and it's actually really good. I like the whole thing, so... I knew it. I'll probably end up playing some down the road as well. Yeah, there you go. See, I knew it. Yeah, yeah it's really good stuff. <laughs> it just came out. It's available at New Retro Wave. It's got Andy's stamp of approval, so you know it's good. <laughs> and uh, I had trouble picking just one track. I pro- it was probably the one that resonated with me most is uh, Wonder Woman.
And that was Wonder Woman by The Secret Chord from the album Fermi Paradox. And we're back here with the Beyond Synth Roundtable, Marco, Michael, and Florence. And uh, Michael is recounting his time (laughs) at Neon... I always fuck it up because there's there's another one that's got a very similar sounding name. Neon Future Fest. I mean Retro Fest. Yes. Yeah, no, there's there's Neon Retro Fest and then there's a Neon Future Futurism Netro something else. And there's right? like a Neon Rose or something. I think you're thinking of Synth Island. <laughs> no, I don't think I am. So it's uh, it's retro neon retro fest. Is that I the one you were at? Neon retro fest. Uh, yes, yes. So we talked about uh, Michael Weber. Betamax is a cool guy. Were you? Did Phaserland um, propose to? Yes, his? he proposed to his girlfriend. That's so exciting. And uh, thankfully, she said yes. <laughs> so you know, would have been kind of embarrassing. Yep. <laughs> you know, so, so imagine that she says, she says no, and. Any he has to go and play his full set. You know? Oh, Jesus. That would have been rough. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> I don't even like... Stuff like that makes me so uncomfortable. For some reason, the thing that makes me the most uncomfortable, even in movies and TV, is when characters are in embarrassing situations or embarrass themselves. Mm. <laughs> so I can handle people getting murdered and intense, you know, weird gunfights and people's lives are on the line. But, like, for example, like, I just started watching Sopranos, and I'm on season two, oh. and there's this episode where Christopher wants to be a screenwriter, and he <laughs> takes this acting class, <laughs> and honestly, uh, up till this point, those scenes were the most uncomfortable for me, because I'm like, oh, he's gonna do something stupid, because he's such a hothead, and so, like, I know he's gonna do some embarrassing thing in front of these people, and it, like, made me uncomfortable to watch. I even had, like, paused the episode <laughs> when, like, it came to a scene where he'd go to the acting class, I'm like, oh, he's gonna do something stupid. You're in for a treat, some other great Christopher Moltisanti moments in uh, in The Sopranos awaiting you. Yeah, man, that show. Uh, yeah, it is. It is really good. Like even just watching the first season, it's such a watchable show. Mm. Like you can binge it because I've noticed. You know, there are some shows. I've talked about this before, but like you know, there's some shows that are really good, but they sort of drain you or they take a lot out of you, and you can't really watch too many back to back. Sopranos is the kind of show, now that I'm watching it, I totally understand how people who love the show can go back and just, like, you know, they could fill their weekend just watching, like, a season, like, just back-to-back and, like, just enjoying it as one big, long movie. Because it's, yeah, it it is really good. And really funny, too. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I was, like, really laughing. (laughs) I find his mom, the mom character, really funny just because she's just so cruel. Like, there's just some parts where, like, just some of the stuff she says is just so mean that, like, it just catches me off guard. And I just end up laughing at it, but yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Do you know what? She, I'm sure if I remember rightly, she only did like the first season and then she died actually, and then she wasn't in. I think she might be in the second season for a bit, um, but yeah, the actual actress she died just like like the next year after starring in the in the in the show, and she was hilarious. Yeah, I know. That's the one thing I've always known about the show because um, that's a famous thing where they tried to do some weird digital effect. Mm-hmm. So I've so I've seen the scene where I, there's like a scene I think in season three that I'm not at yet where they basically like superimposed her face onto like a body double just to mm. wrap some stuff up but it, it doesn't look good <laughs> like it's it never think, does yeah it never does and, and that and we're talking like in the 90s where i think like the only time it had ever been done before was i think in the movie gladiator where the one actor died and they kind of superimposed his face onto somebody else but they i think they did some tricks so they put like some like metal bars and like shadows over his face or something to kind of obscure
obscure the effect because this is well before <laughs> deep fakes or even CGI head replacements. Like they're literally just taking footage and how far into season two are you? I am literally right at the halfway point so that dude from Italy just came over. So you've met Richie April, you know the guy that gets out of prison and uh, he's, he's an absolute loose cannon. Yeah and he's like dating uh, his sister, Tony's oh, sister. He He's one of the best characters in that show. If everything just moved smoothly, these people would be fine and then always this stupid fucking hothead character gets like introduced where you're like, ah fuck <laughs> this dude's gonna fuck everything up. You know what's amazing actually uh, about Sopranos is there's all these old gangsters that get out of prison and they come out and then it's like the show was genius because they make them wear the same clothes that they were wearing before they get put inside because that's just the clothes they have so they, they're still wearing the members only jackets and stuff like that <laughs> and it's almost indicative of the fact that they don't get with the times they don't adapt to the new way they came out of prison and they think it's just like it was in the old days and that's the thing that fucks them up I'm already like stressed out whenever he's on screen because I'm just like oh no <laughs> like, he's just He's going to fuck things up. Mm. But the the first season was a lot of fun. There's a scene where Tony's son is playing Mario Kart <laughs> and Tony walks in and sort of plays with him for a second, but he just holds the N64 controller wrong. He holds it like a gun. Amazing. And basically like just uses the joystick with his thumb and like he's holding the trigger. Meanwhile on screen like the character's like shooting items and stuff. I'm just like, you can't do that with one button. I don't even think the trigger was I don't remember, but on the N64 I don't even think the trigger was the drive button. It was like a or B so like his character also wouldn't have moved that's one of my favorite things in movies when like video games are portrayed by people who don't play video games and like, they don't even know how to fucking hold the controllers or like what's that like the 40 year old virgin there's a scene where is it like Paul Rudd and uh, Seth Rogen are like playing Mortal Kombat and they're literally using mismatched controllers <laughs> like one of them has a PlayStation controller and the other one's got like an N64 controller and they're playing the GameCube version of <laughs> Mortal Kombat and like, God, that shit pisses me off. <laughs> how hard is it to get it right? I mean, how fucking difficult? Yeah. You know, like that. Sorry, that shit really fucking is a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> like, for fuck's sakes. You know? It, it's the 90s and Sopranos and like it's James Gandolfini. And I can almost imagine, okay, I bet you maybe nobody on set understands what video games are. Like that's a possibility. How could they not understand? Come on. The kid would know. There's no excuse. So I wonder though if there's a point where you're embarrassed to like tell like the lead of the show to be like, that's not how you hold it. You know what I mean? Like, I almost think sometimes they just let it go. Like, I just, mean, did they do that? Did they tell him to hold it like that on purpose? If he's holding it like a gun. The problem is that Mario Kart doesn't work that way. So it's... Well, <laughs> so that's... It, I mean, maybe that's the point. It's a, I, I feel like it's a conscious decision. I mean, it might be, but it, then it, it breaks the reality of the world, right? Because then it's like, he can't be playing. Eh. It made me laugh. I mean, like, it didn't... It didn't no. Andy, it ruined the show for you. Yeah, yeah. Be honest. <laughs> I shut it off. I canceled my subscription. Because that was always one of my favorite things is like when kids like on TV shows would be playing games and like they're like rocking around like somehow that's affecting the game. You know, they'll be like, oh, this is awesome. And they're just like hitting every single button. And like, yeah. meanwhile, on screen, like nothing of what they're doing is, is happening. <laughs> or the controllers like, aren't even this? plugged in or something stupid. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Almost, <laughs> I almost feel like it's a 
a thing. It's like something that they do deliberately. It's like an inside joke or some fucking shit that I'm not aware of. Well, it could be. Because it could be like the Wilhelm scream. Yeah. It's the same as when people use computers and no one ever uses a mouse. Yeah. That's why, like, watching the British office was like a weird revelation in a way because it was the first time on TV I'd ever seen characters use a computer mouse. Mm. <laughs> you know, because there's all these there's all these shots in the British office of like people just clicking their mouse just to show them how mundane the the office space is. <laughs> And then I was like, wait a second. Yeah, because every movie, people are always just typing on the keyboard. And then you're just like, but things are happening. You're just like, what are you typing exactly? Like hackers and shit? How like they just do everything with the keyboard and no one ever moves a mouse at all? (laughs) It's like, I just don't even understand how they're even doing it. You don't need a mouse when you're hacking, Andy. Hey, man. Well, look, that was supposed to be a segment about uh, Neon Retrofest, but uh, (laughs) we got to... We gotta listen to another song and then we'll keep chatting. So I got a fun one here from uh, Alessandra Boldrini. I think that's how you pronounce that. This is probably like the most contemporary sounding synth pop song I'm gonna play. But hey, it's a it's a nice uplifting thing and it makes me uh, it makes me happy. And there's some cool synth stuff going on, but definitely kind of more contemporary sounding vocals and stuff. But it, I I liked it, so I'm gonna play it. All right. So this is uh, Alessandra Boldrini with Neighbor's Door.
And that was Neighbor's Door by Alessandra Boldrini. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. And we're back here with Beyond Synth Roundtable, Marco, Michael, Florence. Meant to be talking about Neon Retrofest, talked about Sopranos. I will watch more and I'll report back. So to answer your question from before, Michael, the episode I was on was when the Italian guy came over from Italy and they have him working at the restaurant and then Tony gets him to go to that whorehouse. Furio. Yes, because like the whole time he's always like this nice jolly dude. Yeah. And then the scene where, like, he sends him in, it's just fucking brutal, just oh, fucking yes. beats up that dude and his wife and stuff. And that's where I am. That's uh, what I just watched before we started recording. Yeah, it's an incredible show. Almost embarrassed to admit that I never saw that show until a couple of years ago. That's the first time I actually watched the full show through. Um, I don't know why I never I never watched the show. It might have had something to do with, you know, like, you know the, when The Sopranos came out, it was kind of at the tail end of that Goodfellas sort of wise guy movies popularity thing and it was a little bit overdone you know what I mean so it felt a little bit like watered down Goodfellas or something but I was I was wrong. It was just it was just such a great show. Sometimes there are things that become so big that it almost feels like daunting to start. Because mm-hmm. I haven't watched that or The Wire, and my whole life everyone's just been saying those are the two best TV shows ever made. And like it's it's almost like this weird thing where like I just wouldn't wouldn't watch it. But I'm definitely going to do that now. And and it is good. And and it's surprising too. You know when you get an idea of something, just like you said, like how you're like, oh, it's going to be like watered down Goodfellas. And so I had no idea the whole premise of the show show was like mob boss has panic attacks and needs to see a therapist or whatever like I didn't know that was the hook of the show Mm. so watching it now I see that it's a much deeper show than I had imagined it was yes it's definitely in the uh, the Mount Rushmore of greatest TV shows and of course speaking of TV shows I guess we just got finished season three of the Mandalorian did you enjoy season three of the Mandalorian Florence yes for the most part I did (laughs) (laughs) We were chatting privately about it. I think this season was dumb. I still enjoyed it, but it definitely... It felt dumb to me. Like, there's a lot of dumb things that happened. Although the the, sure. the final two I liked. Sure. There's these Mandalorians who, like, hang out on this beach... And they just regularly get attacked by giant monsters, but, like, that's where they hang out and train. I mean... And, like, two episodes in a row, they're just hanging out and a fucking giant alligator just steals somebody and eats them, and then Mandalorian has to save them. And then in the next episode, a bird comes down and steals the one guy's kid, and they're just like, well, I don't have any rocket fuel anymore, so I guess we're just not going to save my son. And then, like, it was just... It was so weird. It's like... I was like, why are you here? Like, why are you hanging out on this beach? Like, it makes no sense. It was a little weird, but, I mean, like, you know... It's just an excuse to have some Star Wars monsters because <laughs> that didn't bother me too much. But uh, well, that's the thing about Mandalorian. Like to me, it's like a cartoon. It's a live yeah, action cartoon. Sure. And this season felt the most like I was watching like a children's cartoon, mm-hmm. except just with real people. Sure. Which is funny because it's like literally like half of it's like from Clone Wars, which is an animated series. Yeah. I had a theory at the end, at the, the very end, and I'm just disappointed that it did not come true because I was like, ooh. And this isn't really a spoiler because if you've seen the Ahsoka trailer, you know this. The last episode of The Mandalorian was called The Return, and I was like, oh man, they're going to bring back 
Thrawn, who is a great character, if you don't know who that is. They're going to bring back Thrawn at the end of Mandalorian, and that would be an amazing segue into Ahsoka, because Thrawn is in Ahsoka. But they didn't do that, and I was just really mad that they didn't, because I thought it was a really great idea, and Disney should fucking hire me. (laughs) I was sort of expecting something, too, just because that finale didn't really end with any kind of... Yeah. Because, I mean, like, the season two one ends with Luke Skywalker. Exactly. There haven't really been any cliffhanger end of seasons, but, like, I don't know. I think we kind of needed one there, because it was just so underwhelming. It was a very... It was, like, a happy ending, and I'm like, I don't want a happy ending. (laughs) See, I'm I'm sort of mixed on this one, because I love cliffhangers. Mm -hmm. We just talked about Severance, and I think that cliffhanger was amazing. At Mm -hmm. the same time, there's nothing worse than a cliffhanger ending that leads into a shitty season. Yeah, fair. Because then you're on the hook, right? Like, that's like Mm -hmm. one of the things that I dislike the most about Spider-Man 3 apart from it like being a weak movie is the second movie ends with like this cliffhanger where you're like oh is James Franco gonna be the new Green Goblin and and then it leads into a stupid movie where I would just be like it would have been nice if there was no little stupid hints at the end because then it would be nicely wrapped up you know and I think I would like more TV shows to end without cliffhangers so if, if if you choose to drop off you can be satisfied that you watched a contained story. Fair. But at the same time, since there wasn't much of a story this season of Mandalorian, like it was pretty... And that stupid episode with fucking Lizzo and Jack Black was <laughs> dumb. That was a dumb episode of television. Wait, what? Uh, Wait, what? Lizzo and Jack Black were in it? Yes, they oh they God. were in the Mandalorian. Why? Okay. Oh, Jesus. And it's, it's not even that I dislike the idea of like silly celebrity cameos. Well, Christopher Lloyd was in it too. Yeah. And yeah, it was, was just the stupidest episode episode where Mandalorian shows up with um, Bo-Katan, who's another like Mandalorian from like the different tribe of Mandalorian warriors, and um, they just have to go and talk to some of their friends, but for some reason there's this dumb detour where they can't talk to them right away because like Jack Black and Lizzo are like the king and queen of this place, and they have to like do a job for them before they can say hi to their friends, even though like they could see them when they were landing, like where they were parked, and the whole story was like, there's robots that are in revolt and there's some mystery going on but the mystery was so simple and stupid why they needed outsiders to solve this problem for them when it literally just turned out that Christopher Lloyd was just purposefully making the robots bad and he was the head of the robots. There was kind of no point to the episode. Like one of the things that I really liked about the first season was that Mando kept like he went around to all these people and kept meeting people and then at the very end of the season like everyone kind of came together and helped him. Yes. And so like it would have made more sense if like the Jack Black and Lizzo characters had come together at the end of this season and helped in some way or like had something to do with the ending of the season but nope that was it was just oh let's just put Jack Black and Lizzo in an episode for fun. Yeah and they and they looked stupid too like let's be <laughs> fair like their costumes were dumb and like it, it was it was just dumb like that one was dumb but there was some good ones like the two-parter finale i liked Mm -hmm. it was still dumb but like it it had cool scenes like i like the imperial guards with their weird like kind of whip laser sword weapon things and i liked the episode three that was where the mandalorian wasn't even in it where it was about that cloning guy yeah that was a good one yeah that was fun but yeah so i don't know i mean like again it, it didn't reach the lows of boba fett or whatever yeah it was it was fine it was fine but it was it definitely wasn't the strongest mandalorian season. No. No. What I liked about season one was the humor came from 
like just the characters being like sarcastic or the cuteness came from Yoda yeah. or baby Yoda, you know what I mean? But like, but Mando was still a serious character. Mm-hmm. Whereas this season, I think they started to put in a little too many like cute things yeah, and like funny things that I'm like, ah, oh, this doesn't jive with like the tone that was set by the first season. Like in the first season, like, you know, IG-11 was funny because he was just so ruthless and he's this robot who talked in this monotone way but was totally like just murdering all these people and like there was like a humor to that but now it's cutesy stuff and like more little cute aliens and Lizzo and fucking Jack Black who were like Mm -hmm. cartoon characters I did like Grogu Cop though Oh, that was great. That actually, that uh, I like. They gave him a little robot to drive around in. I enjoyed that. Was, that. that was adorable. And then like the the <laughs> line where like he has the fruit and Mando's trying to like grab the fruit and he's like, "This isn't working for me." That was great. That was my favorite thing. I think they did with Baby Yoda's like when he had the robot and he could press the yes or no button. Oh, like yeah. that. That legitimately made me laugh. That scene, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. just the fucking no, no. Like and he just kept mashing no. Like that was funny. And uh, and actually, that's a really good segue into the fact that I went to Star Wars celebration well I tell you what we will talk about that oh bloody hell Andy but we have to listen to a song first Jesus oh, Christ Jesus <laughs> Hey man, these segments they go every time. I know, always got to be in control. Listen, man, music makes the world go round. So uh, play me some. All right, Mister Control Freak, I got a good uh, EP that just came out (laughs) from uh, (laughs) from. I don't even know how to pronounce it. A Reese. I say A A Rice. A Rice. Okay, that'll do. Uh, Whatever they're called, that's really good stuff. Their EP is called Paradise. Um, The one I want to play off the album is a bit of a sultry number. It's called Noir. I love.
All right, and that was A. Rice from uh, the album Paradise with the track Noir Love. And that is a cool song, and this is a cool show. I'm here with Michael Oakley and Florence Bullock and Marco Merrick. We've been talking about Star Wars and neon retro fests and various other things. And Florence, yes, you went to London, England, and you went to Star Wars convention. Is that correct? I did, because I'm a normal human being who flies to another country to go to a Star Wars convention and hang yeah. out with nerds. Hell yeah. But it was funny because that second-to-last episode of The Mandalorian we actually got to watch that pretty much a week early okay. at the convention because they played it for us, and it was really. And it's always fun to watch it with a big crowd because you know you get the you get all the reactions and stuff, and there are a lot of things that were revealed in that episode, so that was fun. Did everyone go oh when that big Mandalorian guy got killed by the? Imperial Guard dudes? Um, wait, that was that the episode? That was the, the episode we saw. Yeah. It was the Grogu Cop episode. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. That's all I remember. That was really fun just because everyone loved that. But yeah, Star Wars Celebration, it was fun. People go to Star Wars Celebration for many things. Some people go to cosplay. That's not why I go. Some people go to get pictures and autographs with celebrities where they pay like $200 to like hang out with Ewan McGregor for 30 seconds and that's it. Um, that is also not why I go. Is some that how much it costs? Yeah, some of the celebrities cost 200 something dollars and Ewan McGregor was one of them. Jesus! Yeah, so and, and it's like you just get like a picture and a signature of like whatever and it's like why would you do that? I don't understand. I don't understand why people want, want Fucking that. Fucking Photoshop, man. Take that $200 and go to a whorehouse. Exactly. Jesus Christ. Whorehouse? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's not what I was thinking, but all right. Yes, it was. That whole concept is ridiculous because it's such a staged thing. Like, I don't, I don't want my meeting a celebrity to be staged. I want it to be like a random occurrence and like have it be organic. And that's what I hate about Mm. that because like paying money to like hang out with a person for thirty seconds is really dumb. Anyway, so that is not why I go to Star Wars Celebration. Um, A lot of people go for like exclusives and to buy a lot of shit and stuff, and that is also not why I go. I usually. I like all of the panels and getting the exclusive content first. So, like, for example, they had, like, an Ahsoka panel, and we got to see an extended ah- Ahsoka trailer, which, like, nobody's going to ever see until, like, maybe the week before it comes out or something. We saw Thrawn's face. Oh, my God, guys. Okay, so what did they do to him? Does he just have a lot of makeup on? Yeah, he just has, like, blue makeup on. That's it. Did they just make him blue, or did they, like... It's Lars Mikkelsen, right? Like, he's got a yeah. specific sort of face, and he doesn't yeah. quite look like... Yeah, the- Thrown you know, from the cartoon, did they? It, it yeah. was like a, it was a it was a very short little clip that they put in that lasted like two seconds, and everyone freaked out. So I didn't have a chance to like really analyze it. I mean, he's there, so there's that. <laughs> he was there, and they brought him out, and it was so funny because like he was not prepared for the reaction of the crowd because I, he probably was like, oh yeah, they you know they hired me to do this thing and whatever, but like people freaked the hell out. And he was, he kind of looked like, oh, like, what did I get myself into here? Because (laughs) he just did not expect the crowd to react like that. (laughs) These nerds are going to molest me. Yes, Uh exactly. (laughs) So... When you go to one of these things, you get like a badge or whatever. Yeah. Like, does that let you into all the panels? 
Or do you no. have to make decisions? Oh, so, okay. So usually usually there's like one big panel per day. And so like the first panel that they do for the first day is usually it, they call it the Lucasfilm Showcase. And that's where they they announce like kind of all the big new things. So that's where you like you want to be in that one because they'll play you like trailers and clips from shows that are like not going to come out for like another two years or whatever. Like we saw like a trailer for The Acolyte, for Skeleton Crew that's where they premiered the Ahsoka trailer like that's the one that you kind of want to go to what they do is they actually have a lottery and you sign up for the panels that you want to go to and you might get into one of them you might not they have a main stage and then they have two other stages where they stream it too so like you could get into one of those stages or you could just not get into any of them if you don't get into one you can go on you can wait in line and go on standby and you may or may not get in by standby so it's kind of like i don't know it's kind of a toss-up so i still have really bad terrible sciatica Mm. after two surgeries and all this shit so I actually just got myself a like a medical badge and that actually helped because I was able to stand in shorter lines mm. for like a couple of the panels that I did not win the lottery to, which was great because I can't stand up for that long anyway without being in pain. So how do you get a medical badge? They give you like a sticker on your badge. And also it's like they have the official Star Wars celebration store and that's like a shit show and getting into the store is really hard. But if you have like an accessibility badge or medical badge, you can get in without waiting in line. Oh, you didn't just barge to the front of the line like you normally do? (laughs) 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 Sorry. (laughs) Wow. What a throwback there. (laughs) Sorry about that. I had to. I had to. I had to do it. I was trying to get in there somewhere. Oh my god! Well, yeah, I mean that's always that's always an option. If I did not have my accessibility sticker, but uh, no, they have a separate line. If you're there, there are these like Jedi Master VIP badges, and those people can get in like pretty much to anything. Hmm. And then, but then they also like throw the accessibility people in there too. So that was that was actually really useful. <laughs> not gonna lie. Cool, cool. But I mean, otherwise, you know, you would just you would go in a standby line. If you get there early, there's obviously more chance that you're gonna get in. But you know, I don't really want to get there at seven in the morning. Nah, fuck that. Who wants to do that? So the bottom line is, get sciatica. Yeah, you get a medical badge, and yeah, then you ten can go. out of ten would recommend. Yeah, no, yeah. Oh my god, please don't <laughs> don't get sciatica. The, the real course. question is, did, you, did it get you any drugs? I mean, I have some like prescribed opioids that are nice, pretty good. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's what I wanted to hear. Yeah, it helps. Well, look, I'll tell you what helps me is uh, cool music. And uh, I can't believe I haven't played any tracks from Lucy Dream sooner. Like, I really liked this album. I remember chatting with Julian about them when he was driving my moving truck for me. And uh, we were like, oh, yeah, Lucy Dreams is awesome. Anyway, look, the point is, this is Lucy Dreams with Rosalie.
was Rosalie by Lucy Dreams. And this is the round table with Michael Oakley, Florence Bullock, and Marco Merrick, uh, and me, obviously. And we were just talking about uh, Florence's trip to the uh, Star Wars convention. You know, it's quite interesting, actually, just that whole thing with, with Disney acquiring LucasArts. Mm-hmm. So they bought LucasArts, like, what, 10 years ago for like something like 4 billion which means they obviously get the rights to Star Wars but Mm -hmm. they also have the rights to the Indiana Jones franchise so that was actually another thing great segue there Michael thank you um (laughs) so in the in the Lucas in the Lucasfilm showcase which is the first like big panel that they do at Star Wars Celebration they always do something non-Star Wars related so I actually I went to Star Wars Celebration last year because it was here in LA it was an Anaheim Mm. So that was obviously easy to go to. And last year, what they did with the Lucasfilm Showcase is they gave us a preview of, of Willow, which was exciting. Oh, which has been canceled after one season. I know. I'm mad. I actually, really, I actually really liked Willow. I uh, yeah. Well, we already talked about this. Unpopular opinion, but I <laughs> like it. Hey, man, look. Anyway. I wish I did. This time, though, they gave us a preview of the new Indiana Jones movie, which was cool. And they brought some people out. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge was there, and I love Phoebe Waller-Bridge, so I was like, my girl. So that was really exciting to see her in person. Anyway, yeah, we got a preview of Indiana Jones, too. Oh, nice. Yeah. The tech of young Indy looks pretty good. Um, I still need to see the whole movie in action to see how well it, like, how well it works or whatever, but in the trailer, there was a bunch of shots where it's like, ooh, like, they're getting good at this, like, the the de-aging stuff. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're and they're only going to get better too. But they they played us a, like an entire scene from the movie. It was just a, like a chase scene, which is cool. But yeah, 
we got that. I'm I'm just so surprised that in ten years they they haven't rebooted it sooner with some like even animated thing or just something a kind of young Indiana Jones reboot. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if you acquire a company yeah. for four billion, you're going to squeeze mm-hmm. it. I honestly think so that they just didn't have a proper plan. Yeah. Like they just assumed the franchising and like money making potential without considering what the fucking stories were actually going to be. And then their Disney Star Wars trilogy was so disjointed and solo flopped. So like they just stopped making Star Wars movies, <laughs> which was not the idea. Like, you know, they wanted to marvel this thing and release like one movie a year at least. Yeah. They're going to make m- more movies now because that's what they announced. Yeah, they did. And those won't be coming out until like 2025. So, like, their shitty management put a six-year gap between movies. And, like, to your point, Michael, like, I think they did want to reboot Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. But I think the reaction to the Han Solo movie maybe sent the message that people don't want to see, like, other actors in these roles. Mm. And so now you see, like, these experiments on TV where, like, Luke Skywalker is a deep fake Mark Hamill, which (laughs) audiences seem to be more okay with than a complete recasting. Like like Robert De Niro and the Irishman. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well, that was a whole different thing because he like just him waddling around like an old man, but then like having like a young face was just. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Me, me and one of my mates, we have this like thing about Robert De Niro movies from the 2000s. I don't know if you've uh, seen... One of them was called Righteous Kill. <laughs> oh yeah, I have seen that one. That was him and Pacino. Yeah. And then there was another one with Robert De Niro... And he plays a prison warden and it's got Ed Norton in it. He's the prisoner. Anyway, the thing about it is, is Robert De Niro is like 65 and he's doing these sex scenes. And the sex scenes are just like painful to watch. It's like, Mm. Bob. I mean, I can call him Bob after the amount of movies I've seen him in now, can't I? Bobby, Bob De Niro. Um, I'm just just like, I'm like, Bob, you don't need to do this. You don't need to do these scenes. Like, why are you struggling your way through these awkward sex scenes with, like, actresses that are half your age? Well, probably, like, even more than half now. Like, now that they're, like, super old. They should just get a body double that looks nothing like it. That would be funny. Where it's, like, it's just him playing the face. But then, like, when they pull out, it's just totally, like, just a young dude. Like, no, it was, being their best. It, was, it, was, it was horrendous. It's just... Uh, he went through that little period of making those 2000s movies, you know. But, uh, yeah, I I am very much looking forward to the new Indiana Jones movie. Because I'm one of the, probably the few people that enjoyed The Crystal Skull. Oh, God, don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> went, to the, went to the movie theatre to see it. And uh, I. it wasn't anywhere near as good as the previous Indiana Jones movies, but nah. it was it was just nice to see Indiana Jones back. I thought the first half of that movie was good. It's just once that's I, tr- I really tried so hard, but then mm. when those fucking flying swinging monkeys came in, I was like, all right, I, I, I'm. <laughs> Yeah. I'm signing out. I'm sorry. I tried. For me, the movie just had an overuse of CGI. Right. And mm-hmm. the, the lighting, I found the lighting really weird. Like, it, the movie looked very staged. You know, like, everything was always that perfect, like, three-point lighting no matter where they were. And it just gave the movie, like, this weird fake effect. Yeah. I only really love Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, I don't think any of the sequels come close to that first one. Like, Last Crusade is entertaining, but, like, Raiders is fucking awesome. It's so good. Great film. (laughs) 
you, you're just catapulted into this universe, aren't you? It's like Star mm. Wars as well. You're just you're thrown in to the deep end of this universe, and it's just such a nice place to be. All of those films, Back to the Future, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's just when you when you watch them, there's just something magical about them. And I think probably for George Lucas by the time he got round to doing like the second Star Wars trilogy and then like Indiana Jones again I think maybe he had kind of become antiquated by that point you know like just times had moved on but he hadn't you know (laughs) and I also think the older ones had a bit more edge to them like Uh Raiders of the Lost Ark like nothing tops that face melting scene it's one of my favorite fucking scenes in a movie I love that scene that movie's PG or PG-13 or whatever but like that movie has so many emaciated corpses (laughs) that the fact that it's PG-13 there's some pretty horrifying imagery in Raiders of the Lost Ark right like whenever a, a person turns around they're not a skeleton they're like an emaciated corpse that still has eyeballs where like the color's gone and it just looks really crazy when fucking uh, the first dude who like toss me the whip or whatever like he's got fucking like sp- spikes like coming through his head yeah, right. and then <laughs> and there's that scene where they first they're in the they're in that underground temple thing and the snakes start coming out and there's a scene where just this fucking emaciated corpse the mouth opens and a snake starts coming out of the mouth it's a really fucking creepy image that you'd think like wow like that's pretty intense for like a pg movie Mm. and then the face melting scene is a full-on face melting like and there's blood and it's gross and it's awesome full-on face melting It's an awesome conversation. Uh, well, look, uh, speaking of face melting, uh, Marco's got an awesome face melting track to play, right? Yeah, I do. I got a three way uh, compilation song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is a three way. It's really crazy. Like, you don't normally see this. It's Youth 83, Four Hill, and Lucy in Disguise. Incredible stuff, right? And they got oh. a really good new track out called City Sleeper. Uh, it's uh, just a single track, and it's really bloody good. I'll say we we actually had a we had a three way at the start because the track I played was that Drive and Father Dude remixed by Jacket. So yeah, don't worry about that. This is no, this is a proper three way. Yep. <laughs> Christ.
And that was Youth 83, Four Hill and Lucy in disguise with the track City Sleeper. And we're back here at the Beyond Synth Roundtable just talking about Indiana Jones and the face-melting scene, which is the best. Even the scene at the end of Last Crusade where he drinks the, the, wrong, the wrong one, and it's like, oh my god. He's just got old and, like, died. (laughs) I honestly think that the second Star Wars trilogy and that Indiana Jones movie suffered from being kind of in that middle ground period where CGI was kind of getting its legs, but it didn't have enough good legs to stand on. If you know what I mean, not like the way it is now, because there's a lot of movies in the mid-2000s that have got, like, terrible fucking CGI, aren't they? It's, like, oh, yeah. so bad. And yeah. But they had moved on from, from practical effects, though, because practical effects was just too expensive to do in it at that point. With Star Wars, it's like, I think George Lucas like yeah every movie from now on it's just going to be CGI forever Mm. because like you know the whole thing it's like they didn't make one clone trooper suit it was all CGI. It's like, yeah, that's I, I think now at least people realize like, okay, we got to mix CGI with practical effects because it does, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. And ironically, since it was his vision of like the future of movies, yet those early movies with like lots of CGI look really dated now. Uh-huh. Like yeah. Attack of the Clones looks almost worse than all of them. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I saw that at the movie theater. That was I saw was them terrible. all in the movie theater twice. <laughs> all of them. Because uh, like. Of them? Jesus. I, yeah, because I was always, I was kind of like confused. You were a confused kid? <laughs> I watched Phantom Menace and was like, what the fuck is this? Like, it just didn't, it felt wrong. It did feel wrong. And I ended up seeing it again with a different friend going like, maybe I'll watch it again. And I something was wrong. Then I saw Attack of the Clones twice. And I saw the fucking uh, Revenge of the Sith twice. The last one was decent. Yeah, like, at least it, it looks the best. Yeah. Like, definitely the, the technology had improved because that opening fight with the ships in, in Revenge of the Sith, it, it looks really good good it's just let down by the mm. the weird performances like oh there's a this is where the fun begins master and like this <laughs> stuff where you're like what is the, this the worst like, thing about uh-huh. those movies though is, is the CGI is probably the least of its problems the dialogue in those movies is oh, yeah. just the terrible. terrible honestly it's like it's all George Lucas's fault or people not standing up to George Lucas uh-huh. because mm. he wrote like he was never good at dialogue he never was but like with the original trilogy like people didn't think of him as God and now and like by the time doing the prequels they were so it's like oh wait we gotta do exactly what George Lucas wants because if we don't then like we're fucked but like people just didn't stand up to him so it was basically exactly what George Lucas wanted and it just flopped because of it I feel like um, what you were saying about Indiana Jones I think Disney's weird like that they'll um They've gone so full on with Star Wars and that, and then they missed some opportunities. Like with the Indiana Jones, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't do anything else for so long. But then even Tron, like I feel like they missed the boat with Tron. Like the sequel mm. was such oh, a good yeah. movie, and then like then they keep talking yeah. about making another one, and they should have really cashed in because I, I thought the sequel was so fucking good. I mean, some of, some of the CGI yeah. with the de aging thing was still not quite there. I mean, it was looked good, but it wasn't quite there. But everything else was just amazing the soundtrack the story the special effects w- was it a flop like i don't, I don't think remember so. i feel like it didn't do the business that they wanted it to let me look i think up. that's the reason yeah tron legacy is a movie that i watched it and I, I don't really like think about it too often but whenever i watch it 
I'm like, this is a really like cool and entertaining movie, and it's, of course the score it's is so awesome. Fun, mm-hmm. yeah. The story is kind of like meh and simple, but like I didn't have a problem with the story. It's like visually really entertaining. The soundtrack is awesome, obviously. It's like they nailed the aesthetic so yes. hard. Right, yes, and sometimes you know you get a cool aesthetic that sometimes can be the thing that powers you through a movie. You know what I mean? We're just like, you know what? This movie just looks and sounds so cool that like I'm comfortable with all the other stuff that's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Also. Also, too, with Tron, I guess this would be, like, another hot take for people in the synthwave scene. The first Tron movie is weird. It is. Like, that's just a, a weird little. film. It's kind of awkward. The effects are strange. I appreciate it for what it was trying to do. But if you give me a choice of, like, which ones to watch, I'll watch Legacy every time. Mm-hmm. So it says Tron was a box office success, it says. It's definitely classed as a success. And it um, it costs $170 million to make, and it grossed $400 million. You know, in, cer- in movie circles, it is classed as a success. So I just feel like that whole world, it, it would be really suited to have, like, spin-off TV shows. And you, you know what I mean? Like, set in that world, and you could have... Like, I just feel like it's weird that they haven't cashed in on it. That's all, you know? Mm-hmm. I think now a lot of companies just want to make more money on their investment and make the safest choices possible mm-hmm. and the most money because like maybe you know a hundred million budget and the movie's making 400 million like isn't good enough if it's not doing like billion dollar business like the fucking Mario Brothers movie which was like mm-hmm. the safest movie I've ever seen in my life oh it's terrible I, honestly like I feel like there's a lot of huge conglomerate franchise movies like that that you watch them and they're predictable and nothing takes you on any kind of journey where you feel like oh I wasn't expecting that it's, uh, you're right it's very safe have you seen the Mario Brothers film I don't need to like <laughs> fuck's sake <laughs> it's such a weird movie like we took the family to go see it and it was like they went through a checklist of things they needed to include did nothing more than they had to like no surprises and even though I enjoyed it while I was looking at it as soon as I left the theater I felt nothing like it left no mark on me like I wasn't happy I wasn't sad I was just like blank I was trying to Mm. talk about it with my family afterwards and I couldn't even say what my favourite part was (laughs) the bit where the credits started rolling (laughs) I tell you what do you know what it's comparable to then it's the musical equivalent of listening to a Jack Johnson album (laughs) (laughs) because that is the definition of safe music oh my god there's no risks taken there's nothing about it that's controversial I I honestly think that the problem with a lot of these franchises um, you've seen it happen with DC like after the uh, the Nolan movies how f- quickly it went south like I think there's too many fucking business executives at the company getting involved in creative decisions that they shouldn't be getting involved in mm-hmm. also the success of Marvel because all the companies are trying to emulate this shared universe bullshit mm. and they need to start recognizing that Marvel was a fucking fluke and they started with a bunch of mediocre films save Iron Man like Iron Man was good followed by four movies that were okay it's funny you say that last night we watched Iron Man <laughs> that's so funny you said that we literally watched Iron Man again last night yeah no the first Iron Man's great yeah. like you know back when there was still a, a practical Iron Man suit I think <laughs> but like that thing was completely CG by the time they got to Endgame. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Endgame, is that all we uh, we have to talk about? What else do we got to say, man? 
Well, I, that's it's got to wrap up because I've I've got to go. Yeah, me too. I got to go to work. You can't. So yeah, Marco's got to fucking work. Did we miss anything? I never did my review of Basket Case, but I don't really have too much to say. Other that than that was, can be uh, a cliche for this uh, series. We just every episode say we're going to talk about Basket Case, but we never ever get around to it. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I I do like when you were telling me to watch it last time, and you're like, "What's in the basket?" I didn't no idea mm. that that actually is like that phrase is said many times in that film. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, uh, I got one last song here, and then and then we'll say goodbye. How about that? So here's some nice uh, synth wave styles to wind down with. Uh, this is Syntronics with Voyage.
And that was Syntronics with Voyage, a cool tune for a cool time. And uh, now we got to wrap up this round table. So we hit all the classic talking points. We got Star Wars. <laughs> we got uh, CGI versus practical effects. One thing I do want to say just very quickly, um, because I know you, you guys will relate to this, but we were talking about CGI and practical effects. Now, the, the biggest example of practical effects versus CGI is zombie movies. Yeah. Because how amazing was those George Romero zombies in Day of the Dead? And then you fl- you fast forward to CGI zombie movies and they just look fucking terrible. Well, it's the... I mean, we talked about this a lot on the show, but, like, it's the CGI blood. Uh-huh. It's terrible. It's so bad. It does not work. The only time I've ever seen it work is you. it has to be quick, like in those raid movies, mm-hmm. or even John Wick to an extent, right? You shoot a guy, you see a bit of the blood spurt, and then you cut. It just looks like a cartoon. It's just so phony. Absolutely. And it was it was quite telling that even when George Romero came back and did Land of the Dead in 2004, that was still practical effects. Which one's Land? Is that the one where they walk underwater and cross the sea? Uh, yes. That's the one. Yeah, this, I remember we went to see that at the, the movie theater and i was so excited me too and uh and it didn't it did not disappoint the bottom line is this we've had a good time i'll save my review of basket case for the next round table i tell you, I'll, i will watch basket case in that time just to refresh myself and uh we will we will talk about it at the next one. Oh, does that mean i have to watch it too god damn it it does yes you do yeah. <laughs> your boyfriend's gonna love that one. Oh yeah oh, i'm sure i'm sure he's gonna watch it for a whole two minutes and then leave the room it's such a scummy atmosphere because it's like new york in like either the early 80s or the late 70s right like it's and it feels so real and gritty like just where they're filming and stuff it's like you just get this real sense of like just how gross that <laughs> that time period was <laughs> I love that the movie started with this thing. It said this film was preserved by the Museum of Modern Art. Like that's like the little what? tag at the start. But it definitely like it had this charm towards the end where I was just like, this is such a weird fucking movie. And the the sequels are totally different stylistically. He he makes a cameo in Brain Damage. Well, oh, that's the one I got to see because I watched two seconds of that and it was very You're funny. Actually, you should watch the- Brain Damage. That's really good. I love that movie. Okay, so we'll watch Brain Damage. Uh, everyone Basket can get case, caught up on yeah, Basket Case. It. Just keep it to that and then we'll yeah. stick to it. Cool. And uh, what else? Well, we never talked about Last of Us. I enjoyed that. That was a good Phenomenal. show. We'll, we'll talk yeah. about that. And mm-hmm. uh, did anything else happen? Depeche Mode had a new album. That was all right. I listened to that. Memento Bore. To be fair, like I'm a big Depeche Mode fan, so I, I like this one more than the last two albums. Mm-hmm. But I would still say the lead single is the strongest track, but I really like it. Ghosts Again, I think that's like a really cool song, but it's still, it's the strongest one. Like I bought the album and I'm like, okay, like this, it's still the best song on the album. But the past two Depeche Mode albums, there haven't really been standout songs for me that I would like put into my rotation of my favorite Depeche Mode tracks. Mm. Whereas this one, I would put Ghosts again in. Then it's a nice video too and stuff. Anyway, that's my, that's my review of that. Yeah. Is it two cents? Okay. Yeah, that's all. All right. Till next time. I really got to go, you cunts. Yes. All right. Give me some final thoughts, Marco. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, everyone, for listening. Um, looking forward to catching up with some uh, awesome 80s cheesy movies for next time. And, uh, yeah, yeah, take it easy, guys. And have fun at work. I won't. It's been emotional. It's been emotional. <laughs> yes, Michael. So t- what are your final thoughts? 
Nothing of importance. Just I'll see you. Ne- I'll just see you next time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna wind down this super anticlimactic. That's fine. Mikey. Florence. It's been a pleasure. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love you. Goodbye. <laughs> My boyfriend just texted me that there's a chicken taco outside Ooh. for when I'm when I'm done and I'm I really Sorry want the that hell chicken up. taco. So. Yeah. Right. Well, let's wrap up and we'll all get our right. metaphorical chicken tacos. Yeah. No, mm. this is a real chicken taco. Right. <laughs> mm, God damn. <laughs> all right. You know well, it. thank you all uh, for joining me on this round table. And uh, we will reconvene in several months, I guess, or how often we're doing these things. Yep. And uh, some stuff will happen. So everyone have a lovely day and uh, tune in to next time. Goodbye. Tune in to next time. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Tune in to next time. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You are the best at goodbyes. Uh, I understand it. Tune in to next time. <laughs> Sorry, that's a good one, Andy. You gotta leave that in. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Sorry, I don't Dude, know why I find that so funny. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> Have a beautiful time. Bye. Beyond Synth Radio is produced by Andy Last. Check the show notes for more information on the musicians featured on the show. Consider supporting Beyond Synth at patreon.com slash beyondsynth. Thanks for listening.